0: okay so hello everybody um we are here for episode four of visibility in action i can't quite believe we've got here already um and you know i still don't know what i'm doing so uh (laughs) if that's starting to show brilliant um i'm joined today by evan patterson uh who amongst many things is senior bdr at the reprise reprise you know i know how to pronounce that could be either (laughs) um (laughs) and the coach sdr nation as well so um yeah, um, if you want to give us a quick intro to yourself, which is always the most awkward thing in the world to be asked to do, but I'm going to ask you anyway. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so Evan Patterson, uh, people call me Evan or Ev, um, or just don't call me late for drinks, I really don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you said it pretty much, senior BD Art Reprise, coach at Sierra Nation, um, big social selling fan. Try to teach people as much as I can about that and then also talking about you know having PTSD in the workplace and also being LGBTQ in the workplace and being poly in the workplace.
0: Yeah excellent and this I think is going to be an interesting discussion for many reasons. We've got a couple of things obviously we want to kind of focus the conversation around but you're also the first kind of non-engineering, non-manufacturing person um, to be involved in the project so STEM obviously is a huge huge area um, and tech is, is a big part of that so um, be interested to see if there's different themes come up as a result of that you know maybe a, a sort of more modern industry to a degree but you know I'm sure you'll have it depends on, on who you as ask well. <laughs> yeah I thought you'd say that so I mean we'll get into um, a couple of the other areas that we kind of have planned to talk about but initially I think yeah the place to start is Wired Kind of reached out to you in the first place which was spotting a number of your posts on linkedin you know you mentioned you're a, an advocate for social selling and i'd seen a lot of your posts having I mean, not been connected to you interestingly and there was one in particular that struck me as well disgusting actually which was that an entirely unrelated post about social selling resulted in you getting you know amongst other things homophobic messages on linkedin when it was not mentioned in the post and irrelevant to the subject so mm-hmm. I thought we'd start there, because it's, I mean, something that I think most people probably don't have to deal with. And I was intrigued to know, one, how you did deal with it, you know, and how frequently it happens as well.
1: Yeah, both good questions. So it, it does happen more often than I think people want to realize, um, but it comes and goes in spurts, because um, it also, I think it's – partially dependent on the the controversial nature of the original piece of content um so that first post that has since been deleted the one you've seen is still there but the post that it is referencing has been deleted um because it was an abnormally high um amount of responses that were um negative isn't the issue it was the negative and homophobic was the issue um nobody said anything in the comments but it's only Adds to the stupidity of it all, um, and if you're offended by this, that the shoe fits. Um, but <laughs> um, the the whole point of it was not to start like a war. If anybody, it was about demo versus discovery. To your point, completely irrelevant to to yeah. my sexual orientation. Um, and people um, like to, I guess, f- use any card that they can. Um, or they have reached to even if it doesn't make any sense um mm-hmm. it's kind of like showing up to a literal war and then like all you've grabbed was like the spatula like cuz i was the closest thing to you <laughs> like not going to help you <laughs> completely irrelevant probably going to yeah. actually do you a lot of harm actually in the process um you know except the spatula was calling me every you know homophobic slur in the book as a way to it wasn't even like an it was weird. They didn't even start there. It was all used as justification as to why I don't know what I'm doing. Interesting. So they would start with you're wrong because, insert
0: slurs here. Wow, okay. I mean, that is something you, you know, I mean, we shouldn't, but it's something we do expect from, you know, Twitter and Instagram and these places. But LinkedIn is a strange place for that to happen because it is seen as the professional platform. So these people are, are doing that in the guise of their kind of professional self. So yeah, you know, the the kind of position that they're putting their employer in there is really awkward because that's gonna taint your view of that company now as well. And it's just oh for you know, sure. The, the horrible, you know, thing to be receiving in the first place.
1: The worst part of it is like when it comes to handling it, like you know, my gut reactions, like screenshot this, send it to your employer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's difficult because but almost all the time this is this is the dark truth it's the owner it's wow. the c-suite it's the vp level and up it's seldomly an ic um or individual contributor in case people don't know that acronym like it's very um shocking to me that it's i usually don't have many people upwards to mm-hmm. go after and if i do it they're going to be a lot more lenient because getting rid of that person can be incredibly expensive and detrimental. And like, look, I get it. Like I work in the land of VC-backed startups. You know, we're we're not profitable for the first five to 10 years of our existence, if ever. I get it. Like there's a money component. So like there's limitations in what they can afford to do when it comes to reacting to these things. Um, But at the same
0: time, like then don't hire them in the first place. Well, yeah, this is it. And you know, I, I don't want to spend too long talking about, you know, those kind of horrible things really, because, but it links really nicely into the topic of vetting an employer. And actually mm-hmm. you talk about it mostly coming from, you know, leadership and C suite, that's where that, you know, those types of messages are coming to you from. Those are the people leading, you know, hiring and recruitment drives. And since we had our first chat before, you know, committing to recording. It got me thinking you know what you were talking about in terms of vetting your latest employer and making sure it was going to be a safe space and inclusive space it got me thinking that i had been doing that implicitly you know throughout mm-hmm. our processes that i've been through in the past without it really being kind of front of mind and i think that's something every single lgbtq plus person does whether we realize it or not um so how, how did you go about that and you know, was it, was it explicit? Were you making your, you know, potential employer aware that's what you were doing? Or how, how did that work?
1: Yeah, when I, uh, when I was younger, like at 20, 21, 22 years old, I would say, I used to be a lot more, um, sly about it. I used to, uh, kind of just, uh, just go with my gut reaction, Never really ask anything. I didn't really do anything to like make it obvious. Yeah. Um, um other than the fact that like I, I do kind of fit quite a bit of the stereotype so part of me was just like hoping that like they would just take the hint you know um and by them hiring me that was their like way of also acknowledging yeah. it I thought um but that that's that's shot me in the foot quite a few times so as I you know got more experienced with this um you know I used to like when they would make small talk or they wanted to get to know about your personal life or whatever nobody ever asked me questions about like do you have any partners or what are your lifestyle plans or whatever or do you plan to own a home or whatever because it's illegal to ask those questions here in the states yeah. but you can volunteer that information as much as you want though as the uh. as the um uh, interviewee so therefore i would um squeeze into conversation anything that would very obviously demonstrate that I was at the very minimum not straight, um, I would fall under the category of like queer LGBTQ. um, Mm -hmm. And whether that was like oh, how was your weekend or whatever? Oh, my boyfriend's also to drop that I was poly in the conversation, you know, went to insert very obviously known to be gay location nearby. Even if I didn't go, I would purposely lie and make that up as a way to test their reaction. Um, And uh, now that was when I was working in smaller like insurance agencies um, now working in tech and also with, like, remote work becoming more normal, um, I uh, flat out just ask, like, and I will say, like, as a openly gay polyamorous man, I want to know about your DEI initiatives or the company's culture on that. And which is actually very difficult um, in startups because they're not like a Google, right? They're not going to have, like, thousands of initiatives and plans going forward. I'm oh. more looking for the values and the, how they live their day to day
0: exactly it's, it's the answer that's more important than, than the process sometimes you know the smaller the company the less process they'll often you know be able to have in place but I, no that it completely makes sense and one of the themes that's coming through in these conversations actually is when people are starting their career they don't have the self-confidence to be that visible um mm-hmm. and but at the same time are kind of subconsciously looking for that kind of validation that this is a safe space even in the knowledge that perhaps they can't qualify out opportunities because they're earlier in the career. It's almost that feeling that you have to take what you can get, um, even if it might actually be damaging to you in the long term. Um, And I think a lot of of people have been through that where the first, you know, one, two, three roles they've had have actually been in places that just weren't suitable, weren't that kind of safe, inclusive space. And that's when they start explicitly, you know, making those checks for the next next role. and that's that could be quite dramatic as well.
1: Yeah, I wish I knew a alternative. To be completely honest, um, yeah. because I think you and I both can agree. You mentioned it yourself; like it can be very detrimental um, in the long term. It can create you can literally sign yourself up for some obstacles and hurdles yeah. um, by not doing these things in the interview process. Um, uh, one thing that I have encourage people to do that isn't an end-all tell-all be-all solution Um, it does take some gutsiness is like go on LinkedIn and find somebody who works at the company who is has the job title that you would have um, Mm -hmm. if you're joining the team or works like one degree away from the job title that you would get up down left right doesn't matter in the hierarchy Um, you know and just just say, like, hey, can I interview you about this, the culture whatever? Like, I know you're not a part of the process, whatever. Um, you know, If you, like, ask five people, at least one's going to say yes. Like, yeah. And if nobody says yes, by the way, or nobody gets back to you about that, that in itself is a red flag. Um. Yep, you I'll shouldn't agree. be working there. Um, <laughs> and if you are made to feel unsafe to bring this up in the interview process, um, and by the way, also, bring it up in every interview don't bring it up in just the recruiter interview. Bring it up in every single step of the way. Um, but like if you, if you ever made it feel uncomfortable and it's and you can tell when you ask yourself, why am I uncomfortable? It's because of the other person or because of the company. Um, I've never found a scenario where that was worth humoring Try to get over that discomfort. I either feel comfortable or I don't feel comfortable. It's just that simple. As long as you know you're already doing everything you can do, then you can just rest on your instinct a (laughs) lot. Um, Yeah. 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 Even if you know you might be wrong about it, you're still too many chances you're going to be wrong about it. Like, you don't want to do Don't, 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 yeah. don't keep going. <laughs> the
0: first instinct is usually accurate. <laughs> oh yeah, but so many
1: things in life just don't your first instinct. Yeah. So many things.
0: It's interesting, doesn't it? Because that, that comes to this whole topic of invisible diversity, you know, for a lot yeah. of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people under the LGBTQ plus banner, we're only as visible as we choose to be very often. Yes. Um, you know, not absolutely, but that's very often the case. And, yeah. I wondered if the kind of the virtual world that we found ourselves kind of forced into more over the last year helps to that effect in, in a way because it detaches you slightly from the process. You know, it's very hard to put yourself in that potentially awkward and uncomfortable position when you're face-to-face with the people interviewing you. Whereas that initial kind of screening process now is is more, you know, more and more companies, that's, that's a virtual process. And it might actually be easier to make those judgments and, you know, question those instincts in that process because you're not then face-to-face staring at someone who's potentially offering you a job, which is harder than that.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think it's like why people are like, you know, look at, to the point really about trolls, right? Like people are, they're not gonna say this stuff to my face. You know that, you and I both know that. They're only saying it because there's a screen between us, right? So that same logic of being more comfortable or confident because it's a screen between you, I, mis- mm-hmm. I, I think it's we all be lying if we didn't acknowledge that that is playing a massive role in people's confidence um, in some context right like there's there's yeah. it's got its negatives, but it definitely has its positives and the positive is people can just click leave, they can just click block everything yeah. solved in the click of a button, you can't do that in real life, um, well, or maybe not as easily, I, I am somebody that is equally comfortable in real life and online but that's just because of who i am i know that's not most people um i actually have to tone myself down <laughs> online because like I, I worry about context not conveying correctly so i am not the right person to ask <laughs> about how to deal with this because i have the opposite issue where i do literally objectively need to tone it down <laughs> um, <laughs> for overshadowed <not> even- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with bigotry or ignorance. I am just a lot to handle. Um, <laughs> um. So regardless of my gender identity orientation, I am just a lot.
0: Um, You're vetting for that as well, then?
1: (laughs) Yeah, there's that too, to be completely honest. Like, I don't work at large established bureaucratic companies for all the reasons we've just spelled out, you know? Yeah. Um, Even if a large company is as pro-LGBTQ as possible, the chances of you having a chunk of that company still not adhering to that. Statistically.
0: You know, yeah. very likely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I am more likely to work at a startup where a hundred percent of the company is going to fall under one of two categories: very pro LGBTQ, or could not possibly care less. In the best context possible. Also, yeah. by the way, I love yeah. when people are um, not ignorant because they don't want to learn, or because they um, uh, are hateful, but they're ignorant because they have not had a need to learn, because they just don't. Like, it's your, whatever you do is fine by you. I don't really care. I support you and love you regardless. That is the best type of ignorance. love that kind yeah. of
0: ignorance. It's refreshing. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, so. that's the ideal scenario, isn't it? That's what you yeah. wish everybody was like. Well, that's is how that... I feel
1: at reprise. People fall into one of two buckets. There's no, the third bucket of like straight up bigotry, you know, or hatefulness or making me feel uncomfortable, um, even by accident, about maliciousness. This doesn't happen. Yeah.
0: And that, that's interesting as well. When you look at, you know, Diversity as a whole, it's obviously far easier the bigger the company to show that you have representation from certain communities um, because statistically you are bigger, you are more likely to attract a bigger talent pool to apply for. Absolutely. Your but that diversity existing as a demographic in your workplace doesn't necessarily mean that you are inclusive, you are open, you know, it's equitable. For a smaller company, you know, and I can use solutions driven where I work as an example, there's 30 of us. Um, You know, to my knowledge, I am the only LGBTQ plus person working there. But the openness, the inclusiveness is so plain to see that that doesn't matter. Now, for other, you know, um, communities that might not be the same thing. It might be different for people with disabilities, people of colour. There's obviously other issues to to get into there. But I think for us, being the only one isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as that openness is there
1: yeah Um, i typically don't care if i'm the only one or not it's more about the other factors right because there was a diversity is like how many is like is uh having the crayons in your uh, crayon box and inclusion is using all of them to paint a picture or draw a picture right (laughs) yeah so it's a good note i like that yeah um so i uh like always looked at it as how am i feeling in this also even with invisible diversity if there's other types of diversity in the company, either visible or invisible, like that alone makes me feel safe. Like if there's, if I see a lot of people of color in a company, if I see a lot of women in a company and leadership specifically too, if I see people that are um, uh, neurodivergent, um, uh, that made it known, obviously can't see it. Um, But you know, for lack of a better context, if there's other forms of diversity uh, and inclusion, very visible that aren't even my own, that alone is also like, checking some boxes, because if you're open-minded to a lot of these things, like, if, I just say open-minded, because that makes it sound like you're going above and beyond. If you're doing the bare minimum, being a decent human being in regards to <laughs> these contexts, um, yeah. you know, then I should also be, like, an easy-to-include um, part, two. It shouldn't take you any lift. Um, you've already nailed it, you know? Yeah. So, like, that's part of it. Um, I've also been the first diverse hire, before um and that's just based off your the vibe you get with talking to the people that work there you know i've been in a company where like it was literally seven of us and six were straight white guys straight white cisgender men and i felt perfectly fine there not because of just solely because of the relationship i had with the people that were there so yeah, diversity quota can only
0: do to you so much.
1: It needs it to exactly. be the inclusion.
0: <laughs> totally agree. And, and you know, it, particularly with the small teams and particularly in startups where, you know, the, the first group of, of people are typically, you know, in, in many cases, you know, college friends who stumble across a, a new idea or some new tech. Um, and because they kind of all know each other to begin with can already seem to be quite homogenous. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's their approach to hiring that I think is, is important. Or willingness to learn as well you know yeah if, and if there's a bouncing sport. act oh yeah, yeah definitely yeah.
1: i you mean, gotta that's... hire people to fill the roles asap i get it yeah like diversity is an afterthought at that point i get that i get that i think any of us can agree um but it's like that will only take you so far <laughs> like to, to throw it out the window like once you get to like 10 20 employees um and especially in fast tech startups like you have no more excuses this yeah. needs to be ingrained everything that you're doing
0: (laughs) it does and i I do think it's harder for startups or at least for smaller teams you know because very often you know you you may look further behind than the bigger companies on that diversity journey but it's it's not the case it's just you know you don't have an hr team so there isn't a process you know um but at the same time maybe can't afford to pay quite as much as the unicorns out there so finding the right person at the right value can often be the immediate priority, and, and I'm speaking, you know, from a recruitment perspective. You're know, working for a yeah, recruitment you definitely company, would know that's, yeah. it's, that's always the priority. But what's really encouraging is that more and more businesses are bringing this topic up in conversations. Um, and you know, something we're driving is to say, you know, let's let's talk about that. Do you have a diversity agenda and inclusion agenda at the start rather than waiting till a shortlist is presented to you and go, oh, That's five white guys? We, we wanted a bit more variety than that. Well, tell us at the beginning. Um you know, and it's, it's encouraging to see more people talk about that. And if you have candidates like yourself who are really, really visible and loudly saying this is, you know, other than my professional self, the other part of me making sure that that's, you know, safe.
1: <laughs> for, yeah.
0: You know, a better word, then it's only going to continue the change, I suppose.
1: That I think the only, um, there is a, there's the other side of the coin, though, of being this loud, like it does a really good job of uh, being this visible. I use loud because I am. but um, <laughs> uh, Being this visible um, is, uh, you know, it's great for the vetting, right? It's fantastic mm-hmm. for, you know, avoiding signing up for a lot of mess. Um, I carry this logic in my personal life. This has also just been how I've been since I was a little kid. I take very much after my mother. My mother is the same way. She's like, I want to know if I don't like you as soon as freaking possible. <laughs> um, that's how she used to say it. So um, with a lot more yeah. colorful language. Um, but you know, so like that's just been who I am. But there is a negative though. Um, the negative is I've literally have been offered jobs, never said yes, but offered jobs solely and I know this because it's been verbatim when they offered me it because I'm gay yeah, or because I'm poly or because I have PTSD or some cocktail combination you know it's um, then you know you're literally getting hired for the sole purpose or the primary purpose because um, I don't want to assume that they didn't see all the other stuff they could get from me hiring me. But, like, Mm -hmm. if that's your number one reason for hiring me is because I am a diverse candidate, that is just as offensive as not hiring me because I'm a diverse candidate. I'm not a token. It goes back to, like, it's not so much an issue, at least where I live as much as it used to be, but you would go to a bar or you would go to a party and you would always get like that straight white cisgender girl that wants to be your best friend solely because you're gay. So she just needs a small purse, a small dog in the purse, a crop top, and a gay best friend on her arm and she's ready to go, Mm -hmm. right? Like you're just another accessory at that moment, right? That culture has died quite a bit now, thank goodness. Um, At least in my experience, can't speak for everybody. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's how I feel when people in job interviews um, will – they'll go out of their way to, like, paint a picture about it so much. Like, it's come off way too strong about it. Um, and I've had people like, well, we want to market you in this gay publication and this gay publication. Like, Dude, I didn't even bring it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's- <laughs> I mean, it's an extension of that tokenism you see, and we're just coming up to Pride Month. You know, the the rainbow capitalism, as they call it. You know, <laughs> just let's shovel. Keep rainbow that eye in. And, <laughs> <laughs> It's it's just an extension of that, isn't it? And and I think that applies to any aspect of diversity. You know, the, it, it, it making it a tick box may seem like you're putting in the effort, but you're putting in the effort in the wrong way. You know, it's. You're making it seem like a task to be done rather than something that's actually going to improve your company as well, because all the research says, you know backs up that more diverse teams perform better and more productive. You know that's what they should be talking about.
1: I always say, are you looking to hire a diverse team? Or are you looking to have inclusive hiring practice? Yeah. Because there's those are two very different things. One yeah. is literally a quota. One is what you're you think you're doing, but you're not.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I I mean, there's an argument for that that kind of positive discrimination. And, you know, we see people asking for 50, 50 gender split shortlists and things like that quite frequently. And there's, there's an argument for that level of positive discrimination. So that at least a shortlist, if you're hiring is deliberately diverse, but never use that as the reason you've hired somebody. Um, Yeah.
1: uh, I do agree with having a, like, we want a percentage of our staff to be, (laughs) to some degree diverse. Um, I do have an issue of how some companies define diverse. They tend to ignore invisible diversity. Also, diverse can, you can be a straight cisgender white guy and be neurotypical and everything in the book. But let's say you didn't go to college and you're applying for a role that historically required a college degree. And whether you went to college, didn't go by choice or you didn't go due to lack of accessibility, especially here in the States, how expensive it is. Um, I didn't go by choice. You know, I went for a week and was like this sucks. I like, I don't I don't like this, y'all. Um, yeah, which is fine. I just you have to, you know, if you created your own path and you are qualified, you have all the same exact abilities as the person with the degree. You are worth the same amount of money X, Y, and Z as that person on paper. You know yeah. that is diversity. Also, is. um, upbringing is diversity. Uh, yeah, people's childhoods are diversity. If somebody came from half of the poverty line that is diversity um i think we've for not that you can ask those questions in an interview but those are also things that people need to include when they're coming up a hiring plan is people's lifestyles people's past lifestyles Mm -hmm. you know all those things
0: No, no absolutely and i think that's why it can look like such a daunting topic for for businesses who've maybe not
1: formally looked
0: at it before because where do you begin and i think that's why you do find a lot of people focusing on gender or focusing on race for example because there's at least a level of understanding that already exists there but then it's a little more
1: concrete feeling i want to say i want to say black and white because it's not it's more tangible
0: yeah exactly (laughs) people already have a lived experience of you know gender differences racial differences so that's something i think people can grab hold of quite you know easily but quite quickly and at least feel like they're making an effort and making some changes but when it comes to things like you know invisible disabilities when it comes to you know lgbtq issues when it comes to neurodiversity as you said it's really really tough for people to try and get to grips with that particularly if they've no lived experience of it as well Um, and that's why getting representatives from those communities i think is always really important as well Um, i mean when we're talking about lgbt cost representation in stem one of the other things and it's probably an interesting kind of question to to finish up on is you know like i said at the beginning you're the first person in this project who's coming from the tech side of stem as opposed to engineering and manufacturing which is maybe seen as a bit more traditional a bit more you know conservative um, and perhaps has a little bit further to go in terms of making those changes from that kind of startup scale up type experience do you think that tech is further ahead or do you actually think there's maybe an assumption there that's dangerous
1: I would actually beg to say that I think it's further ahead um, I don't know by how much I would seem like a more legacy company a more established company um, the you know the the, old, the the older for lack of a better word the company gets the more likely it's going to have an issue <laughs> uh, in the categories we've discussed um, but the, the newer I've noticed it's Either ingrained from day one because they're being built and constructed as an entity during this being a number one priority, or mm-hmm. at least in the short top three list, right? Yeah. Um, there's also the other component with like the VC funding, like, you know, they're all funded, right? They're not, they're not profitable. They can't afford to be th- anything other than inclusive and diverse. Um, it is a, it's also just good business. Right, like if we really want to talk numbers, like diversity and inclusion and equity is just good business. At -hmm. the end of the day, it's it's, yeah. So um, it will drive you more revenue. Um, so they can't afford to not have DEI in place from day one anymore. Um, they will set themselves up for failure. Already four out of five startups like doesn't make it past year five or six. If I remember those stats correctly, somebody please correct me. Yeah, I think that's about right. Yeah. Yeah, but so like if you don't want to be part of that four. You got to have the DEI from day
0: one nowadays. Completely. And some of that is down to, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, die off because of, you know, lack of revenue, et cetera. But a lot of it will because they're just not attracting the right people to yeah. help bring in that revenue. And again, from a recruiter's perspective, although I'm not a recruiter. Um, you know, we see now more and more in the last year has accelerated this. People asking early in hiring processes about that kind of thing, about you know DE and I projects, about um, you know training, internal mobility—all of these things are more important than ever to candidates. So if you're, you know, if you're not thinking about how inclusive is this business right from the beginning, you're not going to get the right people wanting to work for you either. You know, so it's it works both ways, really. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I also like if you
1: nail it, it'll have a domino effect in a good way, though. Yeah, definitely. You're Communities talk
0: in a good way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, excellent. Well, I mean, we could go on and on. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> and there's loads of other things we could talk about. So, who knows? Maybe he will be back again if this becomes a a long term project. Who knows? Episode four, totally out for Back it. for thirty. <laughs> <laughs>
1: For a series uh, or a season? After we had that debate. There. <laughs> I mean,
0: if if I say series, does that mean it has to end at some point? Is is that is that yes. the difference? <laughs> yes. To an American, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to call it a series to annoy you now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be a series if it doesn't ever end. Like a season suggests, surely I'll have you know six episodes, and the next year we'll have another six. If they just keep coming and there's no no stop to them, then well, I hope your viewers works, know. Surely.
1: <laughs> that when I do advertise this episode I will refer to it as a season <laughs> okay
0: just don't use the word podcast <laughs> I will make sure to use I'm kidding I won't do that An <laughs> in inverted commas at the very least <laughs> uh, anyway listen thank you for your time it's been really really good um and yeah I'm sure if anyone has any questions about anything you've said you won't mind them kind of reaching out um yeah to you as well, hit me up on you LinkedIn
1: you know my name just type it in I
0: <laughs> thanks very much Thank you.